Majesty live from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. There's been some speculation out there that the New York Giants with Brian Dayball, the new general manager Joe Shane, all the Buffalo connections. There's been some talk that the Giants could be interested in you, although I personally don't think that they'll be able to afford you because they can't offer you the starting job initially. I think you're going to be brought as a starter. But when I say the New York Giants to you, yeah, I think of uh, Coach Dable right away just because my connection with him in Buffalo. I'm excited to see what he does in New York, really. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I know whatever he does there, he's going to do a great job with that offense. Uh, he's a great leader of men. Uh, he's just real and authentic with all the guys, and I think that's why so many people respected him in our building. Casey, the next quarterback of the New York Giants is going to be who? Like, week one, regular season, starting quarterback is and go. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones? Yeah. You think they're going to roll with him? I do. I mean, to me, it, yeah, I know I know. we're hearing the, the Mitch Trubisky rumors and everything like that, but I think if anybody's going to bring out the best in Daniel Jones, it's going to be Dable. Because while I'm not even ready to call him in the same ballpark as a Josh Allen, I think they do have similarities in terms of size, in terms of being able to run the ball. Now Daniel Jones ran the ball a little bit too much last year, and you got him hurt a couple times. But I think a lot of things you can do in Buffalo, you can do in New York, just not to obviously the, the skill set in terms of your, your skill positions. Um, even really the running game, we'll see with Saquon Barkley. But I do see Daniel Jones as a diet, 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 diet Josh Allen. You agree? Yeah, I go with that. Yeah, I go with that as well. Do you think Mr. Bissett gets a, an opportunity in New York or do you think he goes someplace else? Um, I. And why are we talking about Mr. Bissett so much? Like, I, I understand. Okay, like you didn't have a, a good go around in Chicago, didn't really get your feet wet in Buffalo, but like we have guys like Jimmy Garoppolo out there. We'll see about Deshaun Watson, how that all transpires. But Mitch Trubisky, this is the guy right now? Because as a society, not only are we infatuated <laughs> with football, we're infatuated with backup quarterbacks. <laughs> so Mitch Trubisky is that guy, and I. I, it, it's kind of like Jameis Winston from like two years ago or last year. I forget. Like, oh, okay. We're like, okay, we're back on Jameis Winston. Like, he yeah. could be a quarterback. So I think it's interesting. And I do think Mitch Trubisky will be somebody's quarterback week one. I just don't know who. One more question for you about the backup quarterback position since we're on the topic. Sure. And we give the people what they want. Yeah. Gardner Minshew. Or Mitch Trubisky. Like, what, no, no, I'm saying what happens with Gardner Minshew? Do you he, think he'd go? I mean, because in case you didn't notice, he was trending this morning. Talking about going to the yeah he was, people talking about him going to the Colts. No, how do you feel about Gardner Minshew going someplace? Um, I, I don't think anybody's trading for Gardner Minshew to be their starter, including the Indianapolis Colts, because, look, I know how we feel about Minshew around here, and he did win some football games, but I don't think that the Colts' master plan was Carson Wentz to Gardner Minshew. That just would surprise me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we never know. Um, but I think Gardner Minshew is actually in a good spot in Philadelphia because yeah. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be their quarterback, but for some reason it seems like half the population doesn't want him to be. So I think Minshew is in a spot where he won games when he came into play, and you know how those fans are. So if, if they end up falling to the pressure, take out Jalen Hurts, put in Gardner Minshew, I think he's in a decent spot. Well, and it's so wild, too, of what we're seeing from this quarterback class um, this year in the draft, right? I mean, I, I think it's speaking volumes right now in terms of what the Broncos gave up to get Russell Wilson, the talks of Mitch Trubisky, the talks of Jimmy Garoppolo. 
because, I mean, you have some possible, you know, candidates in Kenny Pickett, in Malik Willis, in Matt Corral. And, like, we haven't heard anything about those guys. And, you know, we, we come from a year last year where it was the Trevor Lawrence show, the Zach Wilson show. Where's Trey Lance going to go? Mac Jones, how far, how, how far is he going to drop? It's wild this year that it seems like every single quarterback, regardless of, you know, their talent and what they bring to the table, is kind of an afterthought. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And if we're keeping track, I would go Kenny Pickett, one, and then Mitch Trubisky or some other backup. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be good. Um, and if the opportunity was there for, like, the Colts or somebody uh, that needed a quarterback, I'd go with Kenny Pickett if you could get him. But how do you feel about a guy like Malik Willis? Because if the draft and teams have shown us anything, it seems like, these past couple of years, they are infatuated with the dual-threat capabilities of a quarterback. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's a reason why Josh Allen went as high as he did coming from Wyoming, where if you look at his last year there, his numbers were nothing special. Um, you, you look at a guy like Trey Lance who, you know, out of North Dakota State, another small school, goes in, what, number three it would have been? Yep. Uh, it's the 49ers because of the dual threat capabilities, once again, a small school guy. You, you look at a guy like Malik Willis, who, you know, is not as big as Trey Lance, I don't think, um, isn't as big as Josh Allen, obviously, but do you think he's going to be the surprise of this draft where a team might trade up because for whatever reason, you know, the dual threat is in their minds and they take him before a picket. Or even maybe Matt Corral, somehow he miraculously is a top quarterback taken. Yeah, we, uh, I, I agree that Malik Willis would be that move-up guy because that always seems to happen. Like, you move up and get Carson Wentz, like you said, or yeah. Mitch Trubisky. Like, I think with the style of his play is, yeah, I think he is the move-up guy. But if it were me, I think that's going to turn out to be, he might be an okay player, but... When you think too hard about things like you did with Deshaun Watson when you passed on him uh, or like Lamar Jackson, everybody passed on him. Other quarterbacks were picked before both of them. You thought too much about it. You didn't pick them, and they ended up being great. I think that's how it will work with Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, but it would not shock me at all if he's the first quarterback off the board being Malik Willis. Action Sports Jacks here on ESPN 690. We got Brett Martineau at the players right now doing a little video, sort of just holding down the fort until he gets back. But he brought up something interesting, and we'll get more in-depth uh, into it when he comes back. But the whole Josh Allen thing, of what do you do with a guy like Josh Allen right now? And, you know, I mean, obviously I, I saw the mentions this morning, and it seems to be the same three people going back and forth with my mentions, and it, it's like a Harry Potter book. It is so long. I mean, I, I, honestly, I have to stop reading it because, like, wow, you guys are super into this, and I appreciate it. I appreciate the, 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 the passion um, and the takes from these gentlemen, but I only have so many hours in the day. You know, I'm, I'm not going to read a Harry Potter's worth of Josh Allen takes, yep. but... It's an interesting scenario right now because if you look at where Josh Allen was drafted compared to the numbers that he's put up, he had that one great season, he goes to the Pro Bowl, and we think, oh, yeah, this guy's the future. This guy is going to be special for years and years to come. And he had all the momentum going towards that. You know, he, he was the good Josh Allen. We were yeah. talking about, you know, all of a sudden that, that, that guy in Buffalo was a bump. You know, compliments to Jalen Ramsey and company. And we can call him the bad Josh Allen. You know, when when you come out your rookie year and you put up over 10 sacks and you go to a Pro Bowl, like, regardless of where you're drafted, that's something special, right? Like, you see a guy in Micah Parsons right now. They are over the moon about Micah Parsons in Dallas over that rookie year just because the numbers say so. 
And we kind of felt that same way Josh Allen's rookie year. Well, then what happens the second year, right? You lose Clayus Campbell. You you lose Malik. Je- you know, I mean, I, no, Malik was uh, he was already gone by then. But you lose Clayus Campbell. You lose some other pieces, and you go from a ten and a half sack campaign to a campaign where you were banged up half the year. You know, you only played in eight games, and you got two and a half sacks. Right, so okay, chalk it up to the injuries, you know, chalk it up to losing Calais, that 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 big guy in the middle, whatever the case may be, wasn't a good season for Josh Allen in 2020. 2021, we thought, okay, he's coming back, new defense, a Joe Cohen defense uh, with, with with Bob Sutton influences from Kansas City, where he's going to be allowed to shine. It's going to be tailored around him, and while I think the the defense was tailored around him, only seven and a half sacks. Now, I say only seven and a half sacks with a caveat because he was close so many times. He, you know, hands on the quarterback, ready to fall down, and the quarterback gets rid of the ball. Just a split second too slow. And you know what they say in football? Close only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades. I feel like every defensive line coach I've ever had said that to me at one point of my career. So seven and a half sacks from there, and now you're left with the question, what do you do with Josh Allen? And... The question comes from more of Doug Peterson bringing this up to us as well, saying, hey, it's our goal to re-sign these guys, to keep these guys here. And despite what the numbers may say, because I think seven and a half sacks is still underachieving for Josh Allen. Obviously, two and a half sacks his second year was big time underachieving. But it's about more of what he can do for the locker room. It's more of what it means to re-sign this guy. And... I always talk about the bridge guys. Um, I've echoed this so many times on the show, but when you talk about a bridge guy, you talk about a guy who maybe he's not the most talented person on your team, or maybe he is, but he affects your team so much on the field and off the field. Daryl Smith was a classic example of that. You ask anybody in that locker room when Daryl Smith got let go, I guarantee they tell you they shouldn't have did that, right? That's the way the league works sometimes, money, whatever the case may be. Daryl Smith should have not been let go. You saw what Daryl Smith did, filled the shoes of Ray Lewis, um, had a great, you know, three or four years or whatever it was in Baltimore, and then called it a day. With Josh Allen, you still have a young guy who hasn't reached his full potential yet. And you have a guy that plays on a defensive line right now that hasn't even come close to reaching their full potential. I think if you put Josh Allen in L.A. right now in the Rams, I think he has 12, 13, 14 sacks, a, you know, a year with Aaron Donald. He just doesn't have that right now in Jacksonville. So that's got to be taken into account as well. But I think from Doug Peterson's standpoint, from Trent Baalke's standpoint, I'm not saying it's the top priority because he still has room on that contract to try to prove himself um, and to make some money, and I get that. But I think down the line, re-signing Josh Allen has to be a priority here. Yeah, no doubt about it, Austin. And, again, this is on the heels of bringing this up yesterday. I kind of said three things. Amari Cooper, a significant player on defense, and I would extend Josh Allen. You just hit on a couple of really good points. If the Jaguars, Peterson and Balky are going to preach, let's keep second-year, uh, second-contract guys, right? Let's, let's draft our own, develop our own, extend our own, essentially. Well, this is a great example. If they want to say something to the locker room, I always say this. I say this to all the the, the, the biggest impact you've had on, on me in this show, Austin, is this phrase. It's not how much money it is. It's what the money says. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so I 
think about that a lot. Well, what would the money say for a guy like Josh Allen, who is a fantastic ambassador for this city, this franchise, while other people were trying to maybe get out of here, and while things were going wrong, he still said, I want to be here. I want to help turn this thing around. And that's not it. You can't just do that. you got to be a good player. He's the seventh overall pick a few years back. And I don't know if he has achieved that status yet, but he does have 20 and a half sacks in 40 career games. That's not bad. Uh, and in fact, in the first three years, that will get you into like the Yannick Ngakwe territory of um, how well you did in your first three seasons, r- right around there. So he's pacing pretty well, especially if he had stayed healthy in year number two. So that's where all this comes from. They can, in May, they can pick up the fifth-year option. Might be the easiest thing to do, pick up the fifth-year option. But the fifth-year option doesn't help the player, Austin, right? Correct. The fifth-year option doesn't say, hey, that's telling you that we want to keep you. That's telling the locker room this. No, that's a power play the organization has. That's a business move. No, without a doubt. You know, and that's – and we've been over this before. You know how I feel um, about a certain things, you know, the franchise tag being one of them, those contracts being another. I mean <sighs> – the, the, the Jaguars find themselves in a predicament right now because you have a guy in Josh Allen who obviously hasn't, you know, reached that potential quite yet. He, he's shown glimpses, but he hasn't been there. If you were to re-sign him after the – okay, for the sake of argument, let's just say Josh Allen comes out and, I don't know, let's what, – what would satisfy you this year for Josh Allen, Brent, in terms of productivity? Should well, we call it 12 sacks? I think a dozen sacks is, is a reasonable number for Josh to really take off. In year four, I believe that's actually where some of these other guys, the um, I'm not sure, Crosby. Yes, Crosby. No, he's a three-year guy. Like a Cleo Mack when I was looking up numbers, I think year four, he had a great uh, year two or three, I think, too. But year four, I think his even numbers went up. I think that would be good if he's got help on the other side. Yeah, I think 12 is a reasonable number. Okay, so, yeah, let's say you have 12 here. Um that's fantastic. Okay. You can win with that. Well, then you almost got to pull the trigger right then and there. Right now, the problem with that is if you do have a career year, if you're Josh Allen, you go to another Pro Bowl and whatever accolades come your way, you know, you get. Well, now that price of Josh Allen has just went up drastically. Right? Like right now, Josh Allen could be at an all-time low and buying just because, Absolutely. you know, the productivity. So... It just comes to the point of when do you pull the trigger? I think he's a guy you definitely want here in the future, regardless of what the stats say, even maybe this year. You know, I mean, we'll if he has two and a half sacks, well, yeah, you're going to be worried about it, right? Yeah, yeah. But that, that's, I don't see that happening at all if he can stay healthy. So, to me, if you're Trent Balky or Doug Peterson, who's, who's ever calling the shots here in terms of, you know, the contract coming up, you got to find that sweet spot where it's like, okay, he still has some left in the tank. We haven't seen the best Josh Allen yet, but, you know, it's going to come at a little bit of a cost. And if you can find that sweet spot, then by all means do that. If that's halfway through the season, if that's three quarters through the season, or if at the end of the season, so be it. But I think he's got to be a priority going forward in terms of retaining a guy just because you can't keep having these first-round picks leave you, it, right? It, yeah. What? Whether it's due to the, you know, the, the performance on the field or whether it's due to you know, being disgruntled um, in the locker room. We've seen too many guys, especially at the first round, leave. And if you look at the building blocks of Super Bowl championship type teams, they always bring their first rounders back. right? They always sign those first rounders to a second deal. I would say probably almost all of them do it. And the Jaguars, for whatever reason, haven't figured out that formula. Once again, whether it's because performance on the field 
or, you know, disgruntledness in the locker room. Yeah, and I, listen, I think I don't think there's any animosity between the sides at all either. I think Josh Allen understands he can play a little bit better. I think he was very honest, by the way, with us in his post-game or post-season interview where he said, listen, I've got to be better in the last, like, six, seven games. After the Buffalo game, I kind of faded. I can't do that. So I... I look at this from an organizational standpoint. If you're telling me you want to sign and keep your guys, he's a great guy to do it. Mm-hmm. If you want, to your point, get a little bit of a break maybe on a very good player uh, that you that was drafted seventh overall that you still think is a very good player and might even not have reached where he can go as a player in the NFL, then, heck, the dollars are better right now than they might be, like your point is, later next year or beyond. The Jags certainly could do the fifth-year option thing. They could around Labor Day. They could in December. They could right after the season, then extend. They have all those options at their table. But if they want to create culture, if they want to set the table for what this is going to be all about under Peterson and, and Balky, then I think extending Josh Allen is not a bad idea. you got the money. You're going to do it at some point. Do it now. Pick Aiden Hutchinson. you got your duo together now for the next four or five years. I think it makes a lot of sense. Let me give you – you, you told me a bunch of other examples in our text. I looked up two guys, okay? And while I understand you were going after, like, first-round picks and top ten picks, I'm giving you an example of one that was a top five pick and another one that, well, wasn't, and he's overperformed. But I'm really just going off performance in the NFL and projected contracts. So I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Listen up. Uh, Josh Allen, by the way, 40 games he's played because he missed some of uh, his second year, 20 and a half sacks. All right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Khalil Mack, in his first 48 games, 30 sacks, which is very good, right? Yeah, uh, eight more sure. games, but 10 more sacks. Shows you what kind of player he was and is. Six-year, $141 million deal he would eventually sign. And now uh, today, the big news, he just got traded uh, to the Chargers. But that was like he was the standard. He was the guy. He was drafted top five. He performed. He got paid. He set the market. Then he got traded to Chicago, all that stuff. Where was Chicago helped set the market? They gave him the deal. So then I compared him to, like, a Max Crosby, who we've talked about before, right? He's like a, what, a dozen sack guy a year. He's really come on. He's overperformed. I understand that part. But I'm talking production. Let's see where a guy like Josh measures up. Well, Max Crosby's 47 games, so that's seven more than Josh, 25 sacks. That's like four more, four and a half more than Josh. Well, he's projected to receive a five-year, $136 million deal. Mm -hmm. And there's talk out of Las Vegas that they're going to do that, right? Sure. So, uh, and that's what some, I think that is three years in. He's just a three-year-in guy, uh, is Crosby. So, that's a bit... As much as we think around here, Josh Allen, because, again, he was picked seventh overall, Max Crosby's overperformed. But if we're, again, putting this relative to the rest of the league, Josh Allen is pretty darn good and pretty productive and worth a deal, in my estimation, if Max Crosby is too. But, but see, here's the thing, though, about, and this is why I try to bring up we should focus more on where these guys were drafted. Because with Max Crosby... You know, when you put up 10 sacks your rookie year, which is phenomenal, seven sacks and eight sacks, but all the while, you know, I mean, you know, in terms of, you know, quarterback pressures and just an overall defensive end slash edge rusher has been, been performing at a very, very high level. Where he was drafted, he's not making the money that dictates the performance. 
So in that case, you had to expedite that process just because, hey, we, we can't justify paying this guy. What, what is that? What, third yeah, round? I hear you. It was yeah. third round? Yeah. We can't have to, you know, we can't constitute paying this guy third round money when he's, one of, number one, a team captain, and number two, the leader of our defense. It's hard to justify that after three years. So to me, that expedites the process in terms of we got to get this guy a new contract just because look at how much he's just outperformed his original contract. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying there. And and so what I was really looking at is the money-wise, is that five years, $136 million, that's what he's projected to get, by the way. Wow, that's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like some $27.5 million a year at that position. I think the Boses have kind of reset that too, Joey Bosa especially. Um, but if that's what he's projected to get, see, my point, Austin, is, well, maybe you don't have to spend $27.5 million a year on Josh Allen. You might have to next year if he goes and gets 12, 13, 14 sacks. But this year, you might be able to get five years, $115 million. Yeah. You know, and that's a good deal for the team, and it's a good deal for Josh because, quite frankly, I'm not sure he's earned 136 Well, no, for sure, but see, that, that's the biggest thing right now is, once again, I think the way I'm looking at this is we have to – this is a first-round pick. If we're talking about a, a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick, and he comes out with ten and a half sacks his first year, oh, we're, we're all about that. We're we're on board. Yeah, we we have a diamond in the rough there in the fourth or fifth round. But then you see two and a half, and then you see seven and a half this past season. But you know, once again, you just got the, the sense that he underachieved a little bit. Well, then you see where he was drafted, and it wasn't the fourth or fifth round. It was a first-round pick, top ten. And now you're like. I mean, yeah, we need him here, but, like, at what cost? Like, do we take the gamble right now? I think that's yeah. a viable thing that's taking place in that building. Yeah, and, and I I understand that, Austin, but it's a little bit like my, my questions I raise. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's my questions I raise about if you have the number one pick in the draft, you should just pick the best damn player in the draft. <laughs> like, does he have to be a left tackle? Right? Does he have to be a pass rusher? And, again, you can debate it all around. What I would say about Josh being picked seventh overall is to that that shouldn't matter to Peterson and Balky. They didn't do it. If Caldwell was still here, if that regime was still here, it might matter more to them. But I'm not sure it should. If your idea is to keep good players that you drafted or the franchise drafted and develop them and keep them, well, Josh Allen fits that. And I just think it makes a lot of sense and could really do wonders inside your building, too, because you've talked about it. We've talked about that. What does the money say? What does it say to those guys? Is it better to do that than bring somebody in from the outside for like a Hassan Reddick? That's going to instantaneously make more than Josh Allen's making, even though Allen has meant more to this football team in that building. I hear you. But then why, why not play Dwayne Smooth then as well? Because Dwayne Smoot has 17 and a half sacks his past three seasons, and Josh Allen, I believe, has 19 or 20 his they, past three seasons. Uh, yeah, what um, – So then – What is he – didn't they pay him? But, but I'm saying, but then why wouldn't, like, Dwayne Smoot make, like, more money then? Because, I mean, I think they did pay him, but it's not like a, like a, a crazy contract. Yeah, I don't You know what I'm saying? I mean, no, yeah. n- not at all. Yeah, he might fit your Max Crosby. But do you see the – let me ask you But this, he's had though. 17 and a half sacks the past three years. Yeah, and uh, does he play more games? And also, do you see a ceiling? See, the difference is you see more out of Josh Allen. You think he can get 12, 15. I'm not sure anybody sees that out of DeJuan Smoot. Maybe they do, and then maybe they should pay more. But that's a fair point. I mean, it's a good question. If I was DeJuan Smoot's agent, I'd be asking that. No, for sure. <laughs> um, Smoot's interesting because they've really moved it. They've 
like the even last year he was playing some from the inside. What? Not this past year. Two years ago. Yeah. No, the, so he's he was everywhere. picking up some of those sacks on the inside too, which, which again, you can make the case makes you more valuable. You can move different spots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what they did, I uh, just want to get that out there. Two years, ten million dollar contract with the Jags, so very, very minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a twenty-seven year old guy now. Josh Allen's twenty-four year old guy, so there's a little difference there, but not much. So maybe that is maybe that should be talked about a little bit more too. A guy like Smoot. I mean, I think it warrants discussion. But like I said, I just think that, you know, with Josh Allen, could you pay him right now? Absolutely. But I think where he was drafted and what the, the numbers show, and maybe even more importantly, what the film shows is going to dictate exactly how much money he's going to make, number one, and number two, possibly when they do pull that trigger. I got you. Uh, all right, we'll be back live from the Players' Championship, give you an update on the leaderboard. How much more golf can they get in? An hour to go until we probably run out of daylight. Action Sports Shacks at the Players here on a Thursday. Opening round of the 2022 Players' Championship. This is it. I thought Indy was it. But now, this is clearly it. Carson Wentz's lot in life will be to be a backup quarterback for the rest of his career if this doesn't go well. And I think this, the, the, the deck is stacked against him right now based on the team he's going to and some of the other circumstances. That is Mike Greenberg talking about Carson Wentz. Says, uh, how will he do with the Washington Commanders? Uh, we will see. Brett Martin alive at TPC Sawgrass Players Championship. And... Well, the lead is Tommy Fleetwood, 600 par. Kramer Hickok, who? Look him up. Google him. 500 par. Keith Mitchell, 500 par, one off. Oh, Casey, you should have picked Keith this week. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he picked him last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Your guy, Cameron Champ, is even par, Austin, so you're okay. Yeah. Um, and this week's pick for Casey, Gary Woodland, one under yeah. par. Uh, this was better... Fishing weather than golfing weather for the most part today. Let's bring in Captain Rick, Florida Sportsman Fishing Report. Captain Rick, what a weekend we're in store for. This weather is all over the place. It's going to be wild, I'll tell you. Now, as far as the rain concerned, the fish could care less because they're already wet. But the fishermen, not so much. Uh, we've, we've had all kinds of weather today. Woke up to a stout wind this morning, and then came the rain. And now we're looking at a dead calm, beautiful evening. It's going to last till about 1 or 2 a.m., and then the rain starts again. Not supposed to have a single minute without rain tomorrow, so not going to probably be a whole lot of fishing going on. That rain will certainly dirty the muddy, uh, dirty the waters uh, inshore and make them muddy. Now, today was pretty good inshore. The guys that got up in the creeks and got out of the wind and the rain a little bit did pretty well on flounder redfish and drum which was a surprise to me nobody made it offshore nobody's going to make it offshore for the whole weekend we can pretty well count on that i think the best thing going is going to be fishing for reds in the creeks and we get breaks in this wind it'll be a good time to start throwing surface lures for trout and it is time for their spawn to begin but one thing you can make sure of we'll be back to check on that weather situation tomorrow with another fishing report brought to you by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing and CSS Landscaping. Thank you, Brent. Thanks, Captain Rick. Appreciate it. Florida Sportsman Fishing Report each and every day. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Saturday morning, 7 a.m., catch the show on ESPN 690. Captain Rick was texting me earlier about that Florida Gators loss, and that leads us to our 904 Chiropractic and Injury Center. Back-breaking, neck-aching. 
play of the week. It just happened today. How about a buzzer beater by Texas A&M to beat Florida in the SEC tournament, 83-80 to in overtime. The Gators had made a furious rally, and uh, instead it was Texas A&M that would win it on a last-second shot. Very entertaining game down the stretch of regulation and in OT, but Mike White's team likely to miss the NCAA tournament. That is your back-breaking, neck-aching play of the week. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, brought to you by 904 Chiropractic and Injury Center. And uh, go see Rhett and his team at three locations now, south side, the newest location on the west side, and down at St. Augustine. All you have to do is look up 904 Cairo. Dot com 904 Chiropractic and Injury Center. They can help you. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Uh, Casey, you're a Gator guy. Real quick thought on uh, Mike White and the Gators. Mike White, uh, are you tired of them? Are you done with them? Uh, they're, they're likely going to miss the tournament? Or has he had tough luck with the whole Keontae Johnson situation? Even Castleton wasn't healthy this year at times. Um, I'm, I'm an okay Mike White fan. I'm not an apologist for him, but... Uh, how do you feel about it? I single-handedly stopped watching Florida basketball due to Mike White. <laughs> uh, probably never coming back. I've never been more frustrated in anything than Florida basketball, and I don't even love basketball like that. They just make me so infuriating over the last couple of years, so I stopped watching them. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably let him go if I was Florida, but, you know, that's like the only thing Florida will hang on to. Dan Mullen went to an SEC championship. They fired him. <laughs> Mike White's never done anything good, and he's still Well, he did go. He went, where was I? Was that the Elite Eight that he went to? Oh, yeah, so he's one of the best eight teams. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, you go to Elite Eight, pretty good. Problem is you're trying I mean, to. You're, you're elite. <laughs> you're elite. You're trying to, to win on Billy D. Court. I mean, I think he, I, I don't know. I like Mike White. I will say I looked at him today on TV when we were watching the end of that game. He had, like, this black, like, pullover on. And at first I was like, is that Mike White or is that one of the officials? <laughs> he actually looks like a guy that would – he looks like an official more than he looks like a coach. That's for if, sure. If an official has a look – It's not a compliment. Mike White looks like an official. I really like Mike White. I think he's – I mean, I don't – obviously he's not great, right? He's not bringing these guys to the the upper echelon of the SEC or, or uh, knocking down and cutting nets each each year. I think he could do worse, though, and that's the fear when you fire a guy. We'll see. Um, maybe Ole Miss will take him. He'll go back there, and then he'd get you, get off your hands. Please, uh, for please, Gator fans. please go ahead. All Anywhere. Right. That's our NCAA tournament, by the way. We've got the brackets coming out on Sunday. You all ready for that? I hope so. Did Providence win today? Providence did. They were they down uh, 59-58 with a minute to play. And I was watching that game a little bit. Okay. Yeah, Providence man, man. to win late, man. Yeah, they like those nail biters, don't they? Oh, yeah. They're just not good enough to, like, they're not going to dominate. You know, they're not going to Gonzaga you. Yeah, sure, uh, sure, sure. But they know how to win close games, and now they believe. Uh, I was like, oh, man, they're going to lose in the Big East tournament. The Butler, like, nine seed. Butler usually good, but they're not great this year. Yeah. And they pulled it out. They won 65-61. Hey, we are talking about Josh Allen. Uh, Dan jumps in and says, if Allen's value is at an all-time low, I'm not sure why his agent would advise him to sign a deal versus make $15.8 million in two t- 2023, no matter what he does this year, meaning that's what he would get with a 50-year option. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good point, but if I offered you a five-year, I don't know, $110 million deal, and I'm going to give you $55 million guaranteed, you know, or you can have 15.8 and 23. What do you take? No, I mean, players, you know, and this is why players hit the franchise tag and probably why Cam Robinson's a little upset right now because players want, you know, they want that big signing bonus, they want the money up front, but they also want the longevity. 
uh, because as soon as you get hurt, your entire career can change. Nothing's guaranteed. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's all about the long game here, Brent, in terms of the contract. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. It's a, it's a good point. I, I understand the, the, the uh, perspective of that, but you're listen, just as much as the team might be gambling and projecting, you are too as a player and agent. You're, you're taking a risk as well. And this day and age, I think there's so much power with the player that if he signs a contract and, out and does just a tremendous job, he can kick and complain until he gets a new one and they rip it up. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the way it works anyway. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So if he outperforms it in three years, just go do another one. Yeah. Or say, I want out of here. Like, no, for sure. Seriously, like the play, there's really no risk, I don't think, anymore for a player signing a deal because if they're good enough and they outperform it, they certainly, it, it has been shown, can do that um, if they're good enough for that. Let's get South Beach Gary on the line. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. What's happening today, South Beach Gary? How you doing, guys? Did my Kings win today, Brent? Uh, no idea. <laughs> Let me check for you. What are they, like the ninth seed in this tournament? No, uh, come on, Austin. I'm they're kidding, like, man. I'm kidding. Like fourth in the ACC. I'm kidding. Jim Laranaga, baby. Um, I'm checking for you. Yeah, they won 71-69. Took overtime. overtime to beat Boston College. <laughs> little, little nail by with Boston College? <laughs> hey, just, just win, baby. Hey, with Boston <laughs> College? Are they still go. playing basketball hey, hey. over there? Hey guys, how how aggressive are the Jags actually going to be opening day? Are they going to make a big splash, sign some uh, tier one free agents, and uh, would they make the investment? I heard Allen Robinson five years, 90, 90 million, 50 million guaranteed. Would they make that leap, or would they go for a Jarvis Landry or a Christian Kirk? How big a splash is Doug Peterson going to be, considering Trent Baalke and the value free agents? Uh, how, how big an impact is Doug Peterson going to be in this process? Thanks, guys. Thanks, South Beach Gary. It, it's a good question. I, I didn't hear that number, or maybe I just didn't see that number for, for Allen. Good for him if that's the number. I mean, sure. he's really coming off a subpar year. Uh, I don't think it's that risky because I've seen him do enough. I think we know who Allen is. And so I think if you think that's worth what you're going to get, I, I think Allen's going to give you that, quite frankly. Um, but when you start bringing Christian Kirk into play in the style like we talked about the other day, it makes you wonder a little bit, all right, maybe take a flyer on that instead. That's something you don't have uh, here on the Jacksonville offense. And most importantly, what South Beach Gary just said, whatever you do, just like we talk about Josh, Josh Allen, what it might say to the locker room, Austin, don't they have to do something on that side of the ball for Trevor Lawrence? Don't they have to make a play early in this free agency period and a splash to say, Trevor, we are helping you out? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can be Doug Peterson, be a former quarterback yourself, be an offensive guru coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree. I don't know how you can come in here with a special guy like Trevor Lawrence and say, yeah, we're all set. We're going to be good, man. Don't worry about it. Like, no, I mean, it's all about first impressions. And like, yeah, I understand. I'm sure that they've talked a little bit, you know, on the phone about what's going to be expected and, you know, start talking about the game plan and all this stuff and then the offensive terminology. They've had those conversations. But, like, trust doesn't happen overnight. You know, the, 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 the trust between a player and a coach just doesn't happen over a couple meetings. Actions speak louder than words. And, and I think a, a great way that Doug Peterson can earn that trust of Trevor Lawrence is saying, hey, man, we're giving you everything that you need to succeed. Here's a wide receiver. Here's a tight end. You know, maybe here's an offensive lineman. We got your back. It's going to be something special. Trust me on this. And we'll, time will tell if that happens or not. 
Yeah, and, and I, again, I do think this is a, if your organization wants to fix it, flip it, get it right, not only do you go get good players because you need good players, but telling Trevor Lawrence we're helping you out as much as we can after we failed you last year in every respect possible, telling the locker room we're doing it this way because it's the right way, it's going to make us better, those things maybe matter more now than ever here in Jacksonville. They should have mattered. They did matter. To be honest with you, I think Caldwell and guys like that, they did some of that. They they did that for Alan Hearns. I think they did that a little bit with the Miles Jack. I can give you some other examples. So it's not like they didn't try to do it, but it feels like now they almost have to do it. And some of these moves, uh, listen, Trent Polky said, he's like, we're spending Shad's money. Well, then you better spend it. We're going to get more weapons. We're going to get. We're going to keep our second-year contract guys. Well, then you better do it. If that's what you're saying, do it. That's all I ever ask. Mm-hmm. If you're going to preach it, then do it. Yeah. And uh, you can't guarantee they're going to win and all this stuff, but you can guarantee that you're going to try like hell to do what you say. And so we'll see if the Jacksonville Jaguars do that. And uh, don't forget about Trevor Lawrence and all of this. <laughs> How he feels. I think that matters coming off that rookie season uh, for sure. Uh, let's put a bow on it from the uh, Players' Championship. I do want to, You brought up Cam Robinson again. We'll just revisit that tweet. Is there anything involved in that tweet? What does it mean for Cam Robinson and the Jacksonville Jaguars? How's that going to end? And all the trades in the NFL, is there any chance the Jags make a splash trade? It's three straight days of crazy trades. Could the Jags be next? Let's talk about it. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, live from the Players' Championship. It's been an emotional ride. Did I get sleep last night? No. But I love teaching. I love coaching. I love being here. I miss being with my guys. And you know, yesterday, um, I got an opportunity to sit in front, in front of the media and see some familiar faces that I hadn't seen in two weeks. And I, I thought that was great just to be back and, and enjoy and take all those questions and get that, that connection back. But uh, now it's roll up our sleeves. Uh, stay dialed into the competition and continue to grow. Is that Joan Howard? Yeah. They lost, right? They yeah, like I, yeah, they, they, yeah, they lost. They're done. It's over. But, um, you know, that's one of those things about the sound. When there's none of it, when nobody's speaking, you got to play sound from pregame Joan Howard. Because <laughs> there's no postgame. Like, hey, that's what crazy. happened? Nobody's talking anywhere, huh? Yeah, nobody. I just saw this tweet, guys. Guaranteed a million dollars or a coin flip to win a billion dollars. What are you taking? I'll take the million. I think I would too. Casey? Coin flip, 100%. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Then how mad would you be? If you get nothing, oh, I I jump off a bridge. Okay, okay. I'm jumping. All right, all right. Just make sure it's high enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a belly flop. I I was waiting for somebody to ask, do I have to pay taxes? (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's that too. Hey, but at least, listen, if you guarantee you take the million, it will cover your next gas fill up. No, no, who are you telling? (laughs) That's a good call. Who are you telling? Uh, I don't know. That's a great, I love that question. I figured, I I love that stuff. What do I need a billion dollars for? I know. See, that's a great thing. I had this discussion one time with Ty when he was like 12. Yeah. It's funny. Like He's like, all right, so what would you do if you had like, you know, I, I think we we're talking about one of those big lotteries. 
And I was like, I said, I was like, well, I'd get an RV, I'd pay off the house, mm-hmm. I'd probably like I would, you know, give something, blah 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 blah, and I'd probably go get like buy a big house at the beach. Sure. And he's like, he's like, well, why do you need a house at the beach? I was like, so we could have a house at the beach. He's like, well, we're 20 minutes from the beach. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a solid point. Solid he's point. Like, I was like, all right, we're not buying the house. Right. I guess I don't need that much then. Scratch that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it, was so, it was so funny. Simple tie. Um, but uh, I thought I liked that question a lot. I really do. Hey, do you read anything to Cam Robinson today on Twitter? Oh, <laughs> is, yeah. Is he taking notes or is he going to sign? Uh, or both. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I think he's going to sign eventually. He almost has to. But um, it's a it's you know it's a circumstance where the player is not happy that they they get franchise tagged. And I think I don't think any player in the league like yeah it's money up front, and you're pumped up about that. But players love the longevity. Players love like I always say, Brent. I'll say it again. It's not what the money says. Uh, I'm sorry. It's not about how much money you make. It's about what the money says. And the franchise tag says we like you, but do we love you? We we like you, but we're just gonna kind of deal with you and see what happens. Yeah. You know so. Um, I assume he's kind of frustrated right now, and we'll see if they, if they work out a deal or not. But, you know, right now, not that happy. I think if you go back a couple of years, though, Austin, Cam was on the on the brink of I'm not sure what his future in the NFL was. Now you look at it, he's made like $30 million over the last two years. That's not bad. No, it's not bad. Um, but still, you know, I mean, if you look at the high-priced free agents of left tackles and what they make, you know, it's it's a lot more than that. Yeah. Uh, hey, quick uh, swoop minute here, unfospreys.com to read more about it. But I want to mention they had their giving day. Remember, we had Nick Morrow on earlier in the week. They raised a, a record amount in 2022. North Florida Athletics raised over $300,000, more than 1,000 donors. So they wanted to make sure they thanked everybody in the area for participating and contributing to UNF Athletics, unfospreys.com, uh, for more information on all the athletics. Right now, UNF softball is 19-5. and five. They have won by shutout in nine of the last. 10 games. Wow. That is crazy. They've won 11 straight games and hardly given up a run. So a uh, really incredible run right now for UNF softball. UNFospreys.com for more information on Ospreys Athletics. Hey, we've seen trade after trade after trade in the NFL the last three days. Any chance we see a mega trade involving anyone from the Jags? Miles Jack? If I was going to make a prediction, I would say the Jaguars are going to trade either Juwan Taylor or Andrew Norwell to the Minnesota Vikings for Eric Kendricks. What the heck? Just saying. Did it just happen or something? You've been thinking about it. Or it just happened, one of the two. No, it didn't. No, it didn't happen. Oh. No, I'm just... I've, I've been, you, you asked the question, I answered it. <laughs> yeah, you did. What are you... <laughs> You're like you playing did. Madden, though. You like know exactly what it takes to get the deal done. <laughs> no, I mean, I just... Knowing I didn't what expect I, that. No, knowing what I know, that's what I would say. Interesting. Yeah. Well, now I can't wait till the show tomorrow, 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. <laughs> we'll be live from the players once again, TPC Sawgrass. And by the way... We just set you up for a conversation piece if you want it, Casey and Brian Middleton. Action Sports Shacks OT coming up. Yeah, might might take it. I also have another story from the wedding I forgot to tell you guys, but I'll oh, tell Brian. Say, oh, hey, 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 Austin, he's a big-timer now. He saved exclusive it. content. Saved it. Okay. We call that in the Action Sports Shacks department, mostly on the TV side, we call that selfish ambition. Yeah, well, speaking of selfish, selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. One-hour golf got, talk today, so yeah, yeah selfish ambition. you got to have a little one bit One-hour golf talk to start the show off. <laughs> Action <laughs> Sports Shacks, Dream18.com, by the way, if you want to purchase a Dream18 card. It's only $59. $10 discount this week. 
selfish ambition. <laughs> that's not really. That's for charities and everything else. So, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, six under par, leads the Players' Championship. No way they'll finish the first round. Hopefully the rain holds off tomorrow, uh, and we will be back here at TPC Sawgrass. Have a good show. Coming up, Casey, Brian Middleton, Action Sports, OT. Right after this, and I'll see you on TV all night long, CBS 47 and Fox 30.